Uh, yeah, I mean, he was. I think he's been pretty fluid um, from the beginning, but, I mean, it gets easier and easier each week. You know, Brock has, there's lots of times that the headset will cut off, and there's a number of times we don't have to use a timeout stuff because he's got a lot of those plays memorized anyways. Um, I think he gets better at anticipating the calls that I'm going to do, so once he starts to hear a formation, I'm going to always finish it, but he's already walking to the huddle, kind of finishing what I'm saying, so he was good from the beginning, and he's only getting better at it. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. Zach Zaitman in for David today, and that is the voice of Kyle Shanahan, and he's talking about his uh, his quarterback, Brock Purdy, and, and really just an extraordinary story, right? Brock Purdy, I guess he played in 47 games in his college career at Iowa State. He led them to their highest uh, rating ever. They got into the top 10 with him as a quarterback and uh and nobody thought much of him he his his um his only interview with the uh with the uh San Francisco 49ers he had a zoom call with the quarterback's coach before the draft last year and so he ends up as the number 262 pick the final pick Mr. Irrelevant but you know who that quarterback's coach is right yes Former Bear Brian Greasy, who's done a, a, a right. great job developing him, and and he was taken at two sixty two. They didn't give him like a jersey with a number on it. He got the joke jersey of Mister Irrelevant uh, with the number two sixty two on it and Mister <laughs> Irrelevant on the back. And and uh, I just saying that's pretty extraordinary. So yep. so he goes into camp and he somehow makes the team, and it was a long shot for him to make the team. And lo and behold, uh, they have an injury, and they've uh, they've got their hand-picked quarterback who they drafted basically because they thought it was kind of a, a blank canvas and they would teach him the game of football. And he, he uh, goes down with an injury, and then they turn to the guy that they had paid a lot of money and, and gotten and who took him to a Super Bowl before and Jimmy Garoppolo, who they're – they're on a one-year deal with. They just kept him for a year because he was battling some injury. And so he ends up as the starter, and then he goes down. So first you lose Trey Lance. Again, they traded a lot to get him in 2021 with the third overall pick. And then you lose Jimmy G, who they traded with uh, uh, with uh, New England for and gave a ton of money to. So you're down to your third guy. He's Mr. Irrelevant. He's got the jersey to prove it. And lo and behold, he kind of plays within himself. He's 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 done a remarkable job. It's a very cool story to see this guy. Now, a rookie has never made the Super Bowl, let alone win it. So you wonder if, you know, midnight's going to strike and the and the uh and the the uh whatever his helmet turns into a giant pumpkin i don't know what happens but but zach this guy has not played on the road in the playoffs it's a different deal going into that stadium with that family from uh silver linings playbook i mean they're crazy in philadelphia yes they are Uh, it was and i'm trying to think back to my days in the nfl Uh, the place that i hated going to more than any other right was Oakland because really? yeah it, it just everything about that experience was unpleasant if yeah. you were on the the visitor sideline in Philly 
the, the, there's a lot of negative stuff that gets said, but you don't ever feel like debris is going to come flying in, in your direction on the side. And I've seen some terrible Bears. Remember, the, the Bears had an opportunity back in, in 2013 to uh, clinch the division, right? The, the, the Packers had lost to the Giants, I believe, and the Bears had a chance in, against a really bad Chip Kelly uh, Eagles football team. Tressman was the coach of the Bears in 2013. And the, the Bears had a chance to, they knew that they had a chance when they took the field to beat the Eagles and, and clinch the division and head to the postseason. And I think Philadelphia scored 50 points uh, against the Bears, the first of what would be many, too many, 50-point games that the Bears allowed in this terrible era of football that we've been watching for the last 15 years. And and I think that I think when when you talk about the advantage that Philly has at home, it is a big one. But I think the advantage that Philly has is the fact that the Eagles have a really good football team, more so than than the fans making noise. Because you can practice for the noise. What's difficult to practice for the variety of weapons that the Eagles have at all different levels on both sides right. of the ball. Right. And, and you know, there is enough distraction. There is enough. I mean, there. so it's loud. It's awful what people are yelling. And, uh, and, and you're under a ton of pressure mm-hmm. to perform because you're in this spot. You know, I mean, the reality is you just look at the four quarterbacks left in the playoffs, right? So you got Patrick Mahomes, who is a phenom. He's a guy that's kind of rewritten the ceiling, if you will, on what you need mm-hmm. to be as a quarterback in the NFL, and he's already won a Super Bowl. And you got Joe Burrow, who is the number one uh, overall pick, a guy that was won the Heisman Trophy in a national championship at LSU and now has been winning like crazy and, and arguably um, – Owns the, uh, the the Kansas City Chiefs because he's beaten them three times. He's three and zero against them, and uh, and he goes in there yet again looking to get to uh, another Super Bowl they lost last year. Then you got uh, Jalen Hurts. We all know his story. Kind of career winner, great uh, player in high school. Father is a coach. He goes to Alabama and he lo- loses out that job to Tua, and then he transfers to Oklahoma. Has a great year there. And he comes into the NFL as a second-round pick and has improved dramatically in every season and was an MVP-type player this year. And then you got Brock Purdy. So, you know, middle-tier prospect, middle-tier program. You, you can't look at him and say, oh, like, let's get on his back because it's kind of a – it's a little bit of a house of cards. He's got a great coach. He's very composed, but – asking him to make plays is really not what's happening. You're asking him not to make mistakes. But he hasn't made mistakes, and that is a skill. It, it is a skill not to turn the ball it, over. It it's is incredible. A, it, it is a for, skill. For, for a guy taken in the seventh round with the last pick of the draft, it's unbelievable. Right, it's but a the, great story. The reason he wasn't taken high, and this gets back to the conversation we had earlier, Mully, uh, about the traits, the, the, the oh, yeah, measurables. The Barely measure- six feet tall, Correct. right? Just yep. a hair over six feet tall. His, he doesn't have great arm strength. He he wasn't you know, he put big numbers up in college, but it wasn't like he was up for any award. He's he's a he's kind of a middling player who has shown great composure and great leadership and has not 
been overwhelmed by the moment. Right. And that's but, pretty extraordinary. Extraordinary. And and but the thing about the quarterback position is it, it's the one position on the football field where your ability to process, I believe, trumps the measurables. Mm-hmm. Now you need to have the measurables because you get hit by really big men and, and you have to be able to to handle that. And and yes, it helps if you're able to run and buy yourself a little bit of extra time in order to use the ability to process and help yourself out. But this is what I look at with San Francisco. That team is perfectly designed to win on the road. They have a great defense, not a good defense, a great defense. They arguably have a better defense than the one Philadelphia is going to have on the field. They have dynamic pass rushers. They have a terrific offensive line. Not just good, terrific, right? They have a whole bunch of weapons that that are roadproof, if you will, because yep. every single player at the skill positions in San Francisco can play anywhere. You can line George Kittle up as a running back. You can put him out as a wide receiver. He can play tight end. You can say the same thing about Debo Samuel. You can say the same thing about Christian McCaffrey. You can say the same thing about Ayuk. That's hard to stop no matter how good your defense is. So can Brock Purdy, and I don't think the moment's too big for him because we've been saying that every game that he's played in the NFL. And the reason Iowa State, remember Matt Campbell, the Iowa State coach, right, got all all the press. It's because of him. Because when we talk about college football, we always talk about the coaches. We ignore the players. But the reason they were good is the guy starting a quarterback for San Francisco on Sunday. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I understand all of that, Zach. But, again, I think you're in San Francisco. You're on the, you're crossing the continent. You're going into Philadelphia. You're playing basically a noon game on your body clock, right? Mm-hmm. It's a 2 o'clock kickoff. And it's you're, if you're in San Francisco and you're traveling to the East Coast, what it's, not, it's three hours, right? So it's, like, basically 11 o'clock on their body clock. That, that – Playing the crossing the country, playing the early game, it's tough. It it just it just adds another element. You know, West Coast teams going east is not a good thing. It's it's not it, it's not usually a, a recipe uh, for victory. You got your you know your running backs are all kind of banged up. Listen, everybody at this time of year, you know that I think they asked Christian McCaffrey yesterday, is there any chance you're not going to be able to play? And he said zero. That was it. Zero chance. He's not going to play. Um, I understand that he's playing. I understand they're all going to play. I'm just saying, having a rookie quarterback, if you watch the tape, you know, he's doing different things that aren't good. He's starting to drift a little in the pocket. He's starting to pressure's gearing up on him. I mean, the guy the guy has played extraordinarily well. And I'm not saying, like, the bubble's going to burst. I'm just saying, if they trail – I want to see how he brings them back. Can he bring them back if they are forced to pass, everyone knows it, and they're down a score? Well, what I'm asking is, what makes you think that this Eagles offense is just going to explode against this San Francisco defense? Well, I, I think that the San Francisco defense is excellent. Don't get me wrong. But I think that you know when you have multiple dimensions, and that's Jalen Hurts, that makes you more dangerous than other teams are, right? Now, now what I want to know is, are we sure? 
Are and we... he can throw. Yeah, he he played and he ran and he did well in the first game. And they, and they, you know, Zach. Here's the other thing: they've barely been. They barely played. You know, what did the guy play? Three quarters. They, you know, they had the bye week. They had the extra week off. They had the extra week of preparation. They they came out and destroyed the Giants, a team they knew well. A, you know, hard to beat a team three times in the same season. They crushed them. Mm-hmm. And 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 I I just I I just have a hard time. It's, it's difficult, and I understand the difference. Normally, when you're drafted on a team as a rookie. You are a very high pick, and the team is absolute garbage. And it takes a while for you to be able to grow into it. And Brock Purdy has, you know, he's he's just a passenger. He's not the driver of this bus. He is just a guy sitting there trying to make sure that he collects the tickets or whatever. But he is not the driver. They've got all these weapons, and it's almost like they're quarterback proof because of the coach I, I hear what you're saying about him being able to read things. He knows where he's going with the ball because he's got a coach that is telling him, go here with the ball. Here's here's the play. Here's where you throw it. Here's what you do. I, I'm telling you, this is, a, this is one of the most amazing coaching stories we're going to see. And you know what it makes me think of, Zach? And you will remember this well. Mm-hmm. When Kyle Orton – started for the Bears because of injury because he was for, he was a fourth-round pick and he was forced onto the field. And when he eventually lost his job, he was very dejected. And I remember having a conversation with him, and he said, he said, you know, the thing is, you never know if you're going to get that back. You never know if you're going to end up being able to, to start again. And I, frankly, that's what Brock Purdy's going through. I don't think he cares. I don't think that's on his mind. But I don't think he's the building block that they're going with moving forward. I think they're going to have a different quarterback next year. Do you? Do you know how hard it is to be a seventh-round pick and be a starter in the National Football League? It, it's almost impossible well, because if no, for, the, for the rest of his career— If, if all... you're with the Bears, it's, it's, <laughs> you, know, you could be an undrafted free agent. If they get rid of all the talent around you, you got a chance. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, uh, Again, and and that's why you you look at what the Giants, and I don't consider the Giants a really good team. You look at what they did to the Minnesota Vikings and then the way they were plastered by the Eagles. And then you think about how far the Bears are from where the Vikings are. That that tells you all you need to know. But I, I think that when it comes to the NFL, the evaluate, it's so hard to overcome the perception and your draft status. So that's why when, when Kyle Orton was talking to you, I believe he was a fifth-round pick, right? Orton was a fifth-round pick in 2005 when he got his opportunity uh, because Grossman got hurt in the preseason. That's why he said what he said to you, because you are no matter how you do on the field, you are always going to have to overcome the perception that you didn't have the physical traits. That's why you were the seventh-round pick, right? That's what makes the Brady story so incredible. Because he was always going to have to fight that until he finally did. And and just all he did was win. And he hasn't stopped winning in, in his NFL career. But you're right about Kyle Shanahan. This is one of the great NFL coaching stories. Because the way that team is designed, you don't have to be a playmaker. If you just stay within the structure of the offense, the 49ers believe that they will be able to 
to put points on the board. And the reason they can do that is because they have a defense that doesn't allow the game to get out of hand. Yeah, I I, uh, I really don't. Um, I just think that, I, you know, I think it's a great story, and I think the story comes to an end in uh, in Philadelphia. And maybe that's because I am biased toward the, the, the Eagles because I picked them before the year started, whatever. I You know, you know I, I have a lot of time for Kyle Shanahan, always have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think – and, I, and I've felt this way before, that this guy is heading into the biggest game of his career. Every week is the biggest game of his career. And it makes it more and more difficult, and the pressure has got to be just, you know, if he makes one mistake, it, you know, it's it's no longer about the improbability of his chances. It's, oh, boy, they just weren't good. Yeah, you can't make it, mistakes. It's a lot of yeah. pressure. You can't make any mistakes. And, but that would and, – and, 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 and by the way – you know, I believe 77 sacks for Philadelphia this year. They have gone after every quarterback, and they have, what is it, four guys and double-digit sacks. I'm just saying, as great as that defense is from uh, San Francisco, pretty good one in Philadelphia, too. Well, the, the ball's got to come out quickly, and that that's Purdy has done a really good job of that oh, no uh, doubt. over the course uh, of the time that he's been the starter in San Francisco. What I'm interested in seeing, the, the only reason I, I'm, I'm picking San Francisco to win this game is because I am not sure that Jalen Hurts coming off the shoulder injury is the same passer we saw prior to the shoulder injury. And I don't think we've gotten a, a true, he, he has not faced the significant pass rush that I believe he will face. And as good as that Eagles offensive line is, I believe San Francisco's defense is good enough to make you a one-dimensional team. And we're going to find out real early if the passing is there for Jalen Hurts. If it is, it's going to be a long day for San Francisco. You know what's ridiculous is that he was hurt against the Bears, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. isn't that crazy? That's where he actually got hurt. Absolutely. Right here at Soldier Field, yeah. I know. It's it's like if their season was destroyed by a team that barely had a sack from its defense. <laughs> it's pretty it just tells you that uh you know anything can happen. All right, we've got to get to a break. We're going to bring in uh a Ryan McGuffey and we're going to talk uh some White Sox baseball. You know, it was really interesting uh the last couple of days to get all the information that's been coming out regarding the White Sox and we'll talk to Ryan We'll get into the Clevenger story, but uh, but really, I want to talk to him about some baseball things, about Aloy, about uh, the communication in the organization, and what he expects. What he what are we going to see at second base, right field? Are all these are all these decisions made? Is this the team? We'll uh, ask Ryan that next. It's Mully and Haw. He's Zach Zabin on Chicago Sports Radio six seven to score. Oh my God! Yeah, the it's White frustrating. Sox. And I hope somebody has some guts in, in the White House organization, if they have son, to tell him before spring training, give him a call. And I think they did. I don't know. I hope it did. Say, listen, bro, you're going to be LDH. You're going to be LDH. You like it or not, that's all you can do. You cannot play. You, you, you prove off wrong for the last three years to put you in the outfield. <laughs> Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score. We've got Zach Saban in for David. This morning, that, of course, is the voice of Ozzie Guillen talking about uh, about Aloy. Pretty funny stuff. And uh, 
And, and let's hope someone has the guts. Uh, we are delighted to welcome in a senior producer from NBC Sports Chicago. He is the White Sox content head. And you hear him on the White Sox Talk podcast. Ryan McGuffey joins us now on the Signature Bank Score Hotline. Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal. Hey, Ryan, how are you this morning? I'm good. What's going on, boys? Well, I, I you know, I, I, I don't know why. I find myself increasingly triggered by anything connected to the White Sox. I, I mean, I know why. It's because I grew up a Sox fan. You know, you got childhood allegiances, and it's it's too late to do anything about it now. But uh, that Aloy thing, I mean, there's a worse story, and we'll get to it. But that Aloy thing, what the heck? I mean, I, I do you want to see Aloy out in right field? What? <laughs> I mean, look, we don't really want to see him out in left field and in right in right fields, you know, it, it, that's even a, a, a tougher corner spot to play. I, I don't mind him saying that he's preparing to play in the outfield. It's a little bit more concerning when you hear him say that he won't accept the DH thing. Um, because, look, let's face it. I mean, the White Sox need Aloy Menes's bat in the lineup probably I would argue more than any other player on the team because he's the one guy that has shown that he can fall into 40 now we haven't seen him do it over a course of 140 games you know I'm asking for 140 as I said that the other day on the on the podcast I'm, which is 22 games that he can miss I'm asking for 140 he said on the, in a zoom the other day he wants to play 150 well let's just be frank if he's playing right field Odds are strongly against. It's probably will he play 150 games? I'd say it's probably minus 10,000 on all the sports books that no would be the answer, because he can't stay healthy and they need his bat in the lineup. You know, as, as much as anyone, because what he did in the second half, you guys, he was one of the most dangerous hitters. If you look at OPS, it was like Aaron Judge and Aloy Menace. I mean, he he had an OPS over, in, I believe, somewhere over 1,000, and he was popping home runs left and right and, and in a very limited sample size, and he was driving the ball to the gaps. That's what the White Sox need to see. What we don't need to see from White Sox players is, you know, what I'm sick of seeing, guys, are the tweets that say, in his first 162 games, Luis Robert, you know, here's his flash line. Well, the problem is those 162 games are over three seasons. Right. It needs to happen right. over one. See, that's why I, I just think that ultimately it's going to be very easy to convince Aloy to be a designated yeah. hitter because it's the numbers at the plate that are going to get him paid, not what he does out yep. in the field. Yeah, you nailed it, Zach. And, you know, I was saying this to Chuck the other day. The one, you know, the another elephant in the room is there's a lot being put on Oscar Colas to just kind of be the guy. I think I, I'm a pump the brakes person when it comes to Oscar Colas because He's played seven games at AAA, and I know he's an older player in terms of years, but it's still about experience. And we've seen guys come up on both sides of town and have that, you know, here comes the next four or five to a player and not been able to live up to it. The one thing about Colas that the White Sox aren't asking for him to be is a cleanup hitter that has to hit 300 with 30 and 100. He could hit 245, hit seventh, eighth, or ninth in that lineup and just play a solid right field. The problem is if he – struggles immensely I don't think he will but let's say he struggles immensely in spring and he's hitting you know under 200 and he just doesn't look right and he needs to get more at, at bats in Charlotte who is your right fielder because I asked right. I asked that the other day to check on the podcast 
And I, well, who is the answer? I don't, I mean, Gavin Sheets and, and oh, we've yeah. heard Rick say, yeah, I know. We've heard Rick say that you can't keep playing first baseman in the corner outfielders in the corner outfield spot. So, you know, in that instance, you don't want to just throw a guy in right field in a just because you have to either. So it's a really slippery slope that you're asking Oscar Colas to be, you know, the guy, I just, you gotta, you gotta look out for a guy in case he, he just can't handle it. You know, April and May. Ryan, uh, obviously the Mike Clevenger thing has triggered everyone. I mean, it's just an awful yeah. story. The idea that uh, he's under MLB investigation, allegations of domestic abuse, child abuse, uh, the mother of his youngest child, and apparently there's there's uh, more to it. We'll find out more about that moving forward. My initial reaction, well, I felt shame because my first name is Mike, too. I feel like he's brought shame to all of us named Mike. Uh, no, I, I hated it, and I wanted them to just get rid of him. And I, um, you know, people are pushing back and telling you that you're judging people before. I just, it's a yeah. one-year deal. I, I just didn't want anything to do with it. And and it wasn't until I read uh, James Vegan yesterday in the Athletic where he kind of explained uh, what they can do and can't do, etc. It, it's just a, it is a uh, a really um, kind of weird story. I guess the ball's in Manfred's court. And we'll see what happens, and you got to wait for things to unfold. But it's uh, it's really the, the 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 worst thing that you can hear, frankly. It's just awful. Yeah, it's awful, and it's never a situation that you want to hear a player, an individual, or a team have to go through. And in this case, right. it's just, it's nothing but you know, I'm not going to like sort through the he said she said stuff of it, but there's you know, smoke and fire, and these things tend to. It's it's very messy, and yeah. there's a lot of accusations and just a lot of unnecessary stuff that the White Sox don't need. And you're talking about what three to four weeks? Three weeks from now, this going into Glendale and being a story. Like when pitchers and catchers report, and Zach, you know this with the Cubs. Mm-hmm. This is the last story that players want to walk into camp, and everyone's going to be asking people about it. You know, the the guys in the rotation, guys in the, in the lineup. And Clevenger's a guy that has just been out a White Sox for a couple of months. No one's going to be able to answer anything. And you're trying to change the narrative of, of the last two years and certainly last year in this organization. And then you have this dark cloud. I just don't see a scenario. I'm just giving you my opinion here. I just don't see why he pitches for the White Sox. I, I just, you don't need this type of press and, I don't know how it's going to play out for him in, in, in public opinion, but well, I do know how it's playing out in public opinion, but more, more so in major league baseball. And look, every time this guy takes the mound, whether it's in another town or in Chicago, it's just an ugly look, you know, it's an ugly look and getting, you know, you guys, you know, away from our jobs, we're, we're, we have families and, and then and you read these details and, and I don't know who's, who's right or wrong here, but it's, it's, it's super messy. It's super ugly. And I just think it's an unnecessary. The White Sox have no ties to Mike Clevenger. They didn't draft him. They didn't develop him. He's not a core member of the team. It's a one-year deal. You know, you cut the ties, you move on, and you have to figure out that spot. And, and, you, and you just, that's it. It's a clean break. And you don't deal with this crap. And this go, and it's a way, it should be a, a call for anybody, whether it's, you know, a guy that's a core member of your team or a guy you signed as a free agent or traded for. This stuff is not tolerated in this organization, and we don't like this kind of news. So, Is there a belief that MLB 
might, might step in here to prevent the, the, this media circus and yeah. that, that could, will probably begin when the White Sox report to Glendale? Yeah, Zach, I think, I mean, look, I, I think with the calendar, it makes too much sense, right? Now, <laughs> saying that in, in Major League Baseball, that always, you know, making too much sense in Major League Baseball don't always go hand in hand. But I think in this case, in order to protect the organization and the players and, and the new coaching staff and, and everything, I, I don't think you can have him walking into Camelback Ranch with this thing unsettled. You know, if this thing is still under investigation, I just don't see how that benefits anybody in the organization having him out there on the backfields and, and, and going through, you know, workouts and, and having to deal with the media every day and, and having this looming cloud as details come out or, or, or as, you know, as the, as the case is solved or not solved. I'm with you on that. I just think I expect some kind of, whether it's even, even if it's administrative leave, some kind of resolution so when the White Sox walk into uh, Camelback Ranch in a few weeks that this thing is at least settled in a way that they can just go out and play baseball. Yeah, I'm with you. I, you know, it's been a rough off season. It just, it, it, it's yeah. just to see Abreu leave and, you know, obviously he got paid a ton of money, but the Sox don't need him. They got a bunch of guys. Okay. Uh, they cancel Sox Fest. They're mm-hmm. still – you know, you're you're right about just kind of crossing your fingers and hoping with uh, with the right fielder. They haven't had a right fielder in forever, and I hope Colas is the answer. But I thought they'd sign someone better than Marisnik. You know, I, I, I just don't understand it. Um, second base, you know, you hear Nicky Lopez, they're interested in. The guy's not even no. starting for that team. You know, yeah, Nick, exactly. Nick He's a utility guy for a rebuilding team. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's trade for Nick Madrigal. I, I mean, I, this stuff just sits there, and I don't know who's playing second base. I know they've got prospects. Liam Hendricks, that is just a terrible story. Horrible. Poor guy. Yeah. God bless him. You know, we pray for him. I, I'm just saying, it's just like this – it's just this horrible feeling. Like I don't, know. I don't like as a Sox fan. There's been as much or more negative as positive, and it's I don't. It's no one. No one's fault. Someone has cancer. It's no one's right. fault about you know their failure. They've used up the whatever. But God, it's hard to follow this team and feel good about it. I compare it to the weather in Chicago. It's like four months of just miserable gray. And you're just waiting, like opening day is kind of like the one thing we hang our hat on and just wait for, and then it's snow, snowing on opening day. So that's kind of what I compare the White Sox offseason to, except it's just dark cloud after dark cloud after dark cloud. And and going back all the way, like you said, like Sox Fest being canceled. You know, like when Cubs convention happened a few weeks ago, Yeah, I had like, I, I legit had envy because of the buzz. Those conventions are outstanding for one thing. They give you that like last bump before spring training. They give you that jolt like, hey, the holidays are over. Baseball's around the corner. Everyone feels good and, you know, across the country that their team is going to, you know, have an unexpected run, and you feel good. And, you know, Sox Fest, Cubs convention, all of that, whether it's good or bad, like the Cubs, you know, the Cubs have brought in a lot of guys. There's an energy there. And for the yeah. fa- to give that to the fans before spring training, I think was great. And, I, it's just really disappointing that the White Sox didn't have that same opportunity. And let the fans, like, that's a time, let the fans voice their frustrations, concerns, because you can hit them head on, change the narrative, and let them leave for the weekend going, you know what? I think there's a chance. 
But instead, it's just been one thing after another, and you're kind of relying on the same guys to turn it around. And I think there's a lot of people that are Sox fans are just kind of in – it's not even prove-it mode anymore, Molly. I mean, you know you watch this team every day. It's beyond prove-it mode. It's like you're just so fed up with some of these guys staying on the field or lack thereof that you don't even believe it if you see it. Like, you get to July, and if somebody's actually played three months, that's a win in itself. Whether or not they're hitting 275 with 25 bombs, I feel like that's icing on the cake at this point. So it's really frustrating when you see the teams in the division, specifically the Twins and the Guardians, going out and make minor, you know, like big, well, yeah, Correa with the Twins, but, you know, Josh Bell with the Guardians. The Guardians aren't going anywhere. They play that style of baseball that's, but quite frankly, I've, I'd love Stephen Kwan times nine on the White Sox. And it's just kind of, it's just a very, it just feels very flat. And this team could, they, they could turn it around. They could, they could be a 2020, 2021 team that gets hot and all these guys play to expectations and they pitch to expectations and they win the AL Central. But everyone has seen so much of this over the course of the last two plus seasons that you're kind of just like, I don't know. We'll wait and see. And here we are. We're waiting and seeing. Great stuff, Ryan. It's so true. Thank you for, for the uh, for the session. I feel like I should have laid down on the couch <laughs> yeah. as I talked to you. <laughs> $15 copay, Mike. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Thank you a ton. It's Ryan McGuffey from uh, NBC Sports Chicago. Great stuff. Really fun conversation. And we're going to uh, we're gonna head out to Philly. And we're going to pick apart these Eagles. We're going to find out if uh, if the Bears have uh, ruined the Eagles' season. We're going to talk to Howard Eskin, and he is a character. It's Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. I know this is high praise, but have him out there is like having uh, – yeah, I shouldn't even go there. But, like, he's having, like, Michael Jordan out there. Like, he's your leader. He's your leader. He's your guy. He's your – like – like that's hopefully that's the biggest respect I can pay to him, uh, compare, comparing to his ability to be in on the field uh, to a, to a Michael Jordan type. Molly and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio six seven to the score. Zach Zaitman sitting in this morning for David, and we are delighted to head out to the uh, the practice facility in Philadelphia, and there we find Howard Eskin. He of course, Mister Eagles football sports radio. 94 WIP in Philadelphia, Fox TV. He does it all. Howard, how are you this morning? I've never had a bad day in my life. It's just another in a great streak. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you got Michael Jordan quarterbacking you, it's pretty good. How about Nick hey, Sirianni there? Yeah. Uh, listen, you know, they have a basketball hoop in their auditorium where we do the news conferences and where players have their meetings, and they shoot hoops. So they make pretend that they're Michael Jordan. Uh, now you can't you can't hit all those big shots and you can't make all those dunks and be as good as he was. But hey, listen, I think and, and people, I, I love the way people, especially outside this city, uh, rip uh, Nick Sirianni for being a guy that's very expressive. You know, the intent of that. First of all, I think Michael Jordan is the best that ever played the game. Talking to today's players, it's a joke that they, they haven't even seen Michael Jordan, and they'll, they'll give you this LeBron James nonsense, who is a fraud. Uh, so uh, I love Michael Jordan uh, in everything he did as a player. However, what he tried to do is talk about the intensity that 
Jalen Hurts brings to his football team. And he referenced uh, the documentary, which I thought was terrific. And going back, and I'm friends with Charles Barkley, so I remember a lot of those things very closely. Uh, And that's what he tried to reference, the intensity that he has around his players to be better and do more. And obviously that's what Michael Jordan, uh, especially for what you, you saw in that documentary on the way he pushed his players. So he's not Michael Jordan. He's not the best in the league. But Jalen Hurts has taken leaps and bounds in being a leader on this football team. Now, can that win on Sunday? Sure it can. Can that help win on Sunday? Uh, he's he's better than the other quarterback, and the other quarterback's done a great job. Yeah, who would the other quarterback be? If, if this <laughs> guy's Michael Jordan, what's Purdy? Uh, <laughs> let, let me, Vinny test, Vinny test of Verdi. <laughs> Howard, in all seriousness, is Jalen Hurts the same quarterback today compared to what he was before the game against the Bears? Uh, yeah, uh, yes, he is. Yes, he is. I mean, sometimes you can't blame the weather. That weather and Chicago weather, is, as you guys know, is brutal. But is he the same quarterback? Yeah, he still has the same intensity. That doesn't mean he's going to be a great quarterback every game. I think Joe Montana is the GOAT. And it's all this nonsense about Brady, who's a great quarterback. Joe Montana never lost the Super Bowl, never threw an interception in the Super Bowl. And Brady... Actually, he's counted for two wins, which the other coaches lost. Uh, Kyle Shanahan lost as the offense coordinator with Atlanta, and Pete Carroll lost it uh, with Seattle with a ridiculous call and allowing that ridiculous call to go through. But, uh, but Joe Montana, the point is Joe Montana didn't have a great game every game. Uh, Tom Brady doesn't have it, and he's done now anyway, but he didn't have a great game. Uh, every game so uh, that wasn't a great game and that was a cheap shot by the uh, uh, Chicago uh, Bear who who dead weighted him yeah Uh, uh, yeah. and that that was just if it's in the pocket on a sack he gets a penalty and a fine but he was actually scrambling out and he passed the line of scrimmage so whatever the case may be Jalen Hurts is fine Uh, Jalen Hurts is not going to have a great game every game but you know he's so intense but I don't think he let some players can let it overwhelm him, and we'll see on Sunday. I don't think he'll let this overwhelm him. I really don't. He's Howard Eskin. He's joining us on the Signature Bank Score Hotline. Signature Bank making commercial banking personal. And Howard, um, I'm sure you're picking the Eagles. Uh, I I just believe that they have the home field advantage. They've got a, a you know a rookie quarterback on the road that's a really good San Francisco team they're almost almost quarterback proof well they better be quarterback proof i mean Kyle Shanahan this is the thing that i kind of uh I look at Kyle Shanahan doesn't want to put Purdy in tough situations he's worked with short fields most of the year because their defense has been so good but that's not going to be the case on sunday he's not going to be working working with all short fields He'll play the score down uh, just so he doesn't put the way I've seen it, put teams in a, a, his team in a bad situation. If, if San Francisco doesn't score over 20 points, there's no shot they win the game. Zero. Zero shot they win the game. Uh, and if the Eagles don't turn the ball over, and there's almost no shot that San Francisco wins the game. 
Uh, Purdy's done a great job. I mean, it is amazing what what he has done. And San Francisco has a great defense. I don't think this is a – it's not a slam dunk, and you got to buckle your seatbelt for this game on Sunday. But I think the Eagles win. In the last nine conference championship games in the NFC, the home team has won seven out of nine. Does that – does the home field make a difference? Sure, it does. Uh, does you still have to play the game? Uh, but I just think, I think the Eagles win the game. I think they'll score in the mid twenties, and I would be shocked if San Francisco scores more than twenty-one points. What concerns you? Uh, the pass rush. Uh, I want to. You hope Lane Johnson uh, doesn't re-aggravate the injury he has because that's. That's a really, you know, the right tackle is important for the, I mean, the offensive line has been great. So other than that, I, it's a good defense. There's no one specific concern. I think the Eagles will be able to, but Kyle Shannon will put them in good situations, but I think they'll be able to rush the quarterback, maybe force them into things. Uh, but I'm trying to think of something that would concern me. You just don't want to see anybody that's important get hurt, but you can't anticipate that as far as the play of the football game. So, no, I nothing concerns me. They're, they're going to go out and they're going to play the way the Giants are, are a fraud, uh, just like the Cowboys are a fraud. So that's not a good test. That was not, They beat a bad Minnesota team. What a division that you guys are in. That, that division yeah. sucks. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's a joke. Uh, it really is a joke. And, you know, the Bears, what are they, two to three years away from being two to three years away from being two to three years away? And they're in a bad division. The worst 13-win team that I think I've ever seen in the NFL was Minnesota. But, uh, no, so that wasn't a real test. This is, this is a test. This really is a test. Uh, yeah. Who's your quarterback? Uh, I mean, yeah. you, is it going to be Fields? Or are they going to Mickey yeah. Mouse around with that again, too? Okay. No, I think it's yeah. Justin Fields. Yeah. Okay. All right. well, for the time. Hey, he's yeah, the next the, Jalen Hurts. Being. He's going to get better next year. He's going to be better uh, yeah, okay. next year. Okay. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> knock yourself out. <laughs> he's two or three years away from being better than Hurts. <laughs> two to three years away from being two to three years away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Howard, you're the best. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate your time. Hey, you guys have a wonderful day in cold Chicago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll see you, buddy. Go uh, go enjoy a cheesesteak. That's fantastic stuff. <laughs> Howard Eskin is Mr. Philly. And, and I mean, what a character. How, you know, I got to tell you, that is a great description of the Bears over the last decade. Two or three years away from being two or three years away from being two. That is awesome. That's very funny stuff. All right. <laughs> <laughs> don't you love it come on you got it you know you got to have a sense of humor because he's going to dig at you so you may as well enjoy it we uh we're going to take a quick time out we're going to bring in clay harbor we'll talk to him about some bears issues but obviously the nfl he's a great nfl analyst and we'll talk to clay harbor next it is mully and haw with zach zayman on the score